The Crossman Conversation brought to you today by Community Legal Services, Maynard Cooper, Frontier Partners, and Roto Speaks. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. Mike, before hey, you start, I, I, listen, hey, buddy, I, uh, I got a quick story for you, okay? Your quick stories. I know. I'm I just, love them. No, listen, it's just part of my life. So listen, one of the greatest things I've ever been honored to do, I serve on the U.S. Military Academy Appointment Board uh, for Senator Marco Rubio. Oh, that's cool. It, it's ridiculous. I don't deserve it. I don't know why I'm in the room, but I'm in the room, and it's it's a blessing because what you get to do, you meet like 25 kids, all from Central Florida High Schools, and they're all applying for one of the military academies. And the most of the time, I've done Air Force Academy, and um, uh, these kids come in, and, and and the worst kid, the worst kid you would put through the UCF or FSU or UF. That's how impressive they are. What I mean by it is like the 25th person is like a 1400 SAT. They're just all amazing. And so when you go through this, we do it once a year, you get to meet all the people. It's like, I'm doing Air Force, but like beforehand we have a little breakfast and you meet the West Point people and the Navy people and the Merchant Marines. And so one of the things that's crazy about all that is like, I, I'd never served, right? And so it's a real, it's crazy honor because you're in the room with all these other veterans. So anyway, I'm doing this and who do I meet? Is this this guy, this guy is Jeff Harvey. And this guy uh, served in the military, served in the army for over 20 years, right? And on top of that, you know, as an attorney, um, CEO of Community Legal Services, and so he's doing all this cool stuff. But again, you go back to it. This guy was appointed by Marco Rubio, and he's interviewing kids and then helping kids go to the U.S. Military Academy. That's influencing future. Yeah, that, that's great. That, that's, that's kind of amazing, right? That's our guest today. All right. That is who our guest is today. Back Jeff again. Harvey. But he's back again with us again. He's coming back. And now he's going to let me ask him about all my favorite military movies and tell me which ones... <laughs> Are good and which ones are bad no that's okay how are you doing jeff i'm great how are you doing great nice to see you nice to see you all right so i want to ask you this one um if you could go back in time and visual actually happening so you understand like logistics as a military guy would you want to visualize and be cd day happening or 68 vietnam war huey helicopter that activity which of those two things if you could just sort of see an experience and be like gosh a moment in history. Which one of those would you pick from? So initially I'd want to say helicopter because I love helicopters. I spent 10 years in the 101st. And if I go more than a year without a helicopter ride, I kind of get a little antsy. But I would say probably D-Day. Um, I think it was just a fascinating operation. There was a lot of moving pieces and it, it was well executed. No, yeah. Well, we, we're speaking English, right? So, <laughs> so it worked out. All right. So uh, that's awesome and a great answer. I knew you'd have a great answer. So but let me go back to the helicopter thing. Okay. Because I don't like riding in the elevator for crying out loud. So, um, have you been in helicopters where you're like, "Oh man, I could fall out"? Like, like that you're the doors are open and you're doing the swooping. Is that a thing? Have you done that? It is. It is. I've actually been in helicopters where we thought, "Oh no, we're going to crash." Cut. Shut up. Yeah. No, we, that's really happened. I, I was. I was in Afghanistan. Um, if anyone. Well, remember, at least it was a safe place. Right. So that, exactly. That's, that's right? good. Yeah, that if, going for you. Right. If anybody remembers Operation Anaconda, uh, I arrived at the unit literally the day they got back from Operation Anaconda, and we went on this other operation, and we're flying out of the Shaikov Valley, and we kind of move up in the air over this mountain, and then all of a sudden the back of the helicopter just lifts up and slams down. And so uh, 
we're all looking at each other like, oh my gosh, we're we gonna die. And so we finally got on the ground and we went to the pilots and we're like, hey, what, what are you doing? Like, you're trying to mess with us? And they're like, no, our engine stalled and we were gonna fall. And and uh, you know, looking back now, I'm like, <laughs> that was rough, but uh, we made it through. Yeah, I 100 percent would have said, land this thing. I'm walking back. Like in rural Afghanistan, don't care. I'm walking back. Yeah, the hard I, I, part is we had already been in the in the in the middle of this uh, this valley for like a week, and it was supposed to be a two day mission, and then we ended up kind of staying there for a week, and we're down to like one meal a day between two people, so we were ready to get out. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> no more now, walking. Did you did you uh, did you jump out of the helicopter? Did you no. rappel out, or you just, just? I have rappelled, but in this instance, most of the time it's easier just to land the helicopter and run out and just run out, and you have to keep your head down so you don't get it chopped off, right? That's a real thing, too. It's you, a real thing. Yeah. And I, there's different angles that you leave the helicopter, Mike, depending on the type of this helicopter. Is, Mike, what is he even talking about? This is like yeah. my worst nightmare. Like, you know, like, like, we have the helicopter that lands right next to our do. studio. And I'm, I'm watching those people. They're always ducking, too. And I didn't realize that that was anything other than a reflex. But you're saying it's important. It can be, yes. Wow. Now, nope. I, I guess if you're really tall, that's something I've never had to worry about. So No, no, no. I, I, will, I will wave to you. When you're in the helicopter and I'll be like, Hey, Jeff, good for you, buddy. You know, that's crazy. Were you ever in a helicopter and people were shooting at you? Not that I can recall. Okay, good, good, good. I'm glad about that. Glad about that. I, uh, I have a friend of mine and he's a good friend of mine. He's actually my CEO coach and he's a, he's a Vietnam veteran. And he was telling me about this really bad flight he was on. He's like, Oh yeah, it was really scary. And I was like, Ray, have you been on flights where you're being shot at? He was like, yeah, (laughs) I was like, I would think, you know, but. Yeah. Anyway, I know flying is scaring. It's scary. That's that's the point of my story. So anyway, I recently saw um, the movie A Plane, which um, it uh, it's a good film. It's a good action film if you want to see it. And uh, uh, there's multiple rough landings in the plane, like the, so. I liked it, but I'm not going on plane time soon. I digress. So here's the thing, Jeff. I want to talk to you about today. Is um, I want to talk about the subject subject of real estate, right? So oftentimes people have heard me talk about the issue of racism and then the issue of real estate. And then what I really, one of my core things, you know, this is I focus on real estate education, right? So there's a 101 historically black colleges across the United States. And until we got involved, none were teaching real estate education, teaching lots of other things. But if you then look at like, you know, the traditional universities you would think of, most of your top tier universities have real estate programs, right? And there's, because there's a direct combination connection between wealth in real estate. So, you know, somebody might say the stats about the average white family has a higher X percentage, higher net worth average black family. But if you like focus in on that, it's real estate ownership is the biggest component of it. So that's where I'm coming from. What I wanted to ask you about today is because you have talked to me about that and the real estate component as far as title issues and title issues in some communities that are more marginalized people, higher black uh, population. So can you just first, first define the the pro- so I told you about my my challenges. Like I'm defining the problem as a lack of education. My solution is trying to provide that education in those spaces. So first, can you just define the problem from the big picture as you see it? Title issues and talk about that. Just define the problem first. Yeah. So title issues. When when you um, are in a home that um, is owned, but maybe not by you. Um, and not a renter, right? And so in the types of things that we're working through as an organization, what you're seeing is a home that's maybe owned by a great-grandma and the the great-grandchildren live there, but it's titled in the name of somebody who's been long since deceased. The problem that you run into is, is that home is now become less secure for that, for that family, that there's, uh, there's potential um, that that could 
become in jeopardy, you know, whether it's through tax issues or things like that, that they're just not getting notice of because they're not the owner. Um, and then there's some other issues that come up where uh, you can't get a building permit because you're not the owner. Um, there may be some uh, infringement of your right or that, that property's right. Um, and because you're not the owner, you don't have standing to talk about it. And then, and frankly, like what do we do? We, we all grow up, we work hard. We try to pass our stuff onto our kids and make life better for them. And if you don't have title to the home that you're living in because it's never been transferred, there's a high likelihood that if it's not jeopardy for you, it'll be in jeopardy for your kids. So um, I'm not sure if this is getting at the question you're, you're looking for, John, but it, it's, you know, we operate in that space as an organization. And I think your solution, which is education, is absolutely right and part of it. But there's part of it where uh, people got into the situation that they're in and they, they didn't know it. And so the education might help them in the future, but they've got to fix it. They've got to make, they got to get the title right. Yeah. So there's the, there's the issue right now and there's the issue in the future. And so they're both important, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I get that. And I think what I was trying to say is that I became aware of it in the future. One of the things I've seen, I, one on Christmas Eve, one morning, I was walking my dog in my neighborhood and a young lady was watching her dog and she was totally freaking out and she was wearing almost nothing. She was wearing what she slept in. And I was like, young man, what, what's the problem? And she said, I got locked out of my apartment. I was like, okay, we can figure this out. And I started talking to her. Turns out she was um, in an empty guest room, but she was never on the lease. Her roommate left, locked the door. She didn't have a key, but she had no access to the apartment, right? And it was one of those moments I'm like, that's where I go back to education. She's technically homeless because she's not on it, right? Or I've seen situations where a young lady applies for an apartment and she qualifies for credit, but then when she wants her boyfriend on the lease, because she wants to sort of connect them together, but then they break up and then she wants the boyfriend evicted. And guess what? She can't get him because he's on the lease. So those are little things. And you're talking about even way bigger than that, which is, you know, protecting the transgenerational wealth. That's a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, well, listen, I want to, um, I want to take a break. I want to come back to that because what I want to do is then unpack it. I think what we're both saying is real life issues of real estate, um, that people need services. Mine, again, I'm trying to provide services through college courses, but in your reality, you need legal help to resolve the issue. And that's where Community Legal Services comes in, correct? Correct. That's what, that's what you guys do? That's what we do. All right. Okay. Listen, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back at the Crossman Conversation. Community Legal Services is a civil legal aid organization providing no-cost legal help to the underserved. They call it Legal Aid for All. Their attorneys assist with legal issues related to family law, housing, domestic violence, veterans' benefits, and much more. Community Legal Services is a community-supported program. To learn more and help support the mission, visit clsmf.org. That's clsmf.org. Community Legal Services. Legal Aid for All. Are you willing to serve communities in crisis around the world? To people who are impoverished, oppressed, and persecuted, Frontier Partners International offers mission opportunities in areas least served to meet the needs of the helpless, hapless, and hopeless, and is currently serving earthquake survivors in Syria. Share the love and joy of Christ and give the gift of a hope-filled future to someone in desperate need. Learn more at FrontierPartners.org. That's FrontierPartners.org. 
I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. Once again, here is John Crossman. And we're back. This is John Crossman, the Crossman Conversation with our guest, Jeff Harvey, CEO of Community Legal Services. And Jeff, um, I don't know if you ever read the book growing up on your time in college or law school. I don't know what that looked like in between jumping into helicopters and saving humanity and all the things you did. Uh, but there's a movie, the book, oh, the book Pride and Prejudice. Remember Pride and Prejudice? Mm-hmm. And then they made a movie, Pride and Prejudice. Then they made a better movie, Jeff. You're not a movie guy like me, but I'm just telling you, this is a good one for you. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Like, that's a good combination. I'm telling you right there. Very popular with the uh, teenage ladies in my household. We watched that movie. But in the premise of all of those, the book and the, all those films, is that you have a dad, and he's getting older, and he's going to die at some point, and he has all these daughters and he can't leave his estate, his real estate, to them, so they have to get married, right? And then that's that's the whole rom-com kind of thing. But th- underneath all that sort of story and entertainment, you're like, wait, what? He can't leave the real estate to his daughters? And I think it was all up to like 1972-ish, a woman in the state of Florida could not buy real estate without a man's signature, right? So we know there's all this, this history and all of that, and so I bring that to today of trying to make sure that we're providing solutions for people in very meaningful ways with these issues. So um, I'm talking about in the context of front-end education at colleges. And by the way, just so people hear this, you know, if I told you I want to start a med school at every black college in America, you'd be like, John, that's like $100 trillion. I mean, whatever that would cost. The cost to add one real estate course at one college costs $5,000. Nothing. It's nothing. So when I end every one of these shows where I say support your local HBCU, what I'm really trying to say is if you're hearing the show, wherever you live in America, wherever your closest black colleges, and if you're in real estate, for five grand, you could add a real estate course and that would really help, right? So that's one thing. You, on the other hand, you're talking about these very specific things in reality right now. And in your situations, uh, somebody who they have to have an attorney to do this. And if they're in a situation of having, having an attorney and they can't afford it, they contact you and sooner is better than later, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, that's one thing I really hear you saying early and often, early and often. Yeah. You got to, you got to, you got to get in. Um, but in that situation, when somebody's dealing with that, they can contact you. Now, did I get that right? Jeff, did you I, did. Get, I got, I got it all right. Now, somebody might hear all this and they'd be like, Hey Jeff, you know, John, you guys are nice guys. Good for you. But why would I care? And I would say one of the reasons why you care is like, cause you're a good, decent person <laughs> would be a reason to care. But another reason to care would be is like, when we look at communities that are marginalized and you think like, oh man, that community is dangerous or it's unsafe. And you're like, um, well, you start pulling, pulling the layers back. Like if it's 
there's a lower tax base or the schools aren't as good. Well, like, how do we help with that? So housing stability is a, is a core part of that. And if somebody understands, hey, you do own this home and, and you've got it, take care of it and let's get you the right resources. I would think that you become a pillar towards transgenerational wealth. That, that's where my head goes with. Am I right with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you just see people that own real estate they just get more involved in their community. They care about right. zoning. They care about what the, what the city or county commission is doing because it impacts, it impacts that. Um, yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do here is we're trying to find people that, that should own property based on the generations and, and they're living there um, and make sure that they actually do own it. Well, you know, what's a big aspect of that is I, and I when I lecture, particularly when I lecture at black colleges, one of the points I make is when you own real estate, here's one of the things you realize the cops work for you, right? Like if you're a tax paying homeowner, you're like, wait a minute, I write a check in taxes and it pays them. And I don't mean that like a lesser than or whatever. I just mean like, Oh, we're, we are in partnership. I'm paying for this service. And so more communities that see, they don't see them as an invading army coming in that they're in conflict with. No, no, no. This is a service. Listen to this right after, um, uh, Mr. Floyd uh, got murdered. I had a group of black pastors from across the country ask me to be on their call and, and give them some advice. And they, and they said, what, what should we do? And here's what I told them. I said, invite your sheriff, your local chief of police and their leadership team to come to your church. Have them sit in a worship service. Um, have a time of prayer. Lay your hands on them and pray for them. Pray for them safety and their families. After church, have a potluck and feed them and, and love on them. Take care of them. And then hold them accountable. And if they don't do their job, vote them out and fire them. And the pastors were really kind of surprised at when I said that. I'm like, no, this brother, this is how this works. You got to do your job. And if they're not doing their job, they should be removed, right? That's just, that's mm -hmm. capitalism, baby. That's, that's how that works. And so I think what you're doing is so key to life with the big L, but it also is this, the root and the seeds go out there of a, a healthier community, including healthier relationship with law enforcement. Am I getting it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, you know, when you think about the American dream, right? I mean, included in that, right, is I'm going to, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to own my own home. I'm going to, and, and the situations that we deal with, people have already achieved that two or three generations ago. They, they finally got enough money to own their own home and they were able to provide for their kids and their grandkids. And, and so it, it's a shame to see those families lose that just because they didn't understand how the system works. And so, you know, where I applaud you on the education side, because I think that would prevent that situation. There's a lot of people that just never had that education sure. and now they're stuck. And so how do you fix that? And um, we've seen cases where the, the cost to fix that on the average market would be almost worth as much, if not more than the house. And so there's no person that's either going to have the money to do that because you're effectively buying the home all over again. Or um, if they had the money, you know, no, no reasonable, person would say, oh, let me go spend $45,000 to, to fix an issue in order to save my $30,000 home. But then on the other hand, how can you put a, how can you put a price on, on home ownership? I mean, there's a, there's a value to that that is above and beyond what it costs to purchase. And so um, we've been working with the community. Um, our specific focus right now is in Eatonville, which is the oldest African-American black community in, in the United States. Um, to try to identify people that are in these title issues that can't do things like get a mortgage um, and help secure the title for them so that they can now continue to live there without any concern about any issue, but also uh, pass that on to their kids if that's something that they choose to do. 
Well, I want to um, tell you, I want to, I want to help you as much as I can with that. I mean, uh, where we're sitting here in the studio, we're we're about um, about fourteen feet from Eatonville, right here. Mm-hmm. And um, I do a lot of, I do a lot. I do some some volunteering with the Boys and Girls Club here in Eatonville. They do a, they do a great job, and they've been on the show. We're real fans of theirs. So let us know what we can do to help you out in in that space specifically with Eatonville. I think that is so so crucial. The other thing I just want to mention, as you know, as we're going to wrap our time here in just a few minutes, but when you're talking about the transgential weight, wealth, and the home ownership, and all that. There's another aspect that hits me really strongly, and that's this: when we think about entrepreneurship, like where great entrepreneurs come from. Um, I spend some time in in Palm Beach because my daughter, my old stars at Palm Beach Atlantic, and it's a great area, wealthy, a lot of prestigious people there. But I'm willing to bet that not a lot of entrepreneur, entrepreneurial. I'll never get that word right, Mike. You'll have to edit it, but we'll get it. Entrepreneurial ideas come out of Palm Beach, right? Like a lot of times, if you have everything. You're not thinking about what I got to do to get better. That's not always true. I'm going to stereotype a little bit. But in marginalized community, there's a lot of entrepreneurs, right? Like they don't have the academic, they don't have access to Yale or the country club. And so they come up with a different way. The reason why I say this to you, Jeff, is that I think in those environments, they're going to need to own real estate. They're going to lease it. They're going to something. They need to understand it because if they have this great idea, whatever that great idea is, it's got to be housed someplace. So you got to understand home ownership so you can understand business ownership, so you can understand warehouse ownership, so you can understand that part of it. So it really is, it, it's so important what you're doing and it grows vast beyond that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want our listeners to know about this, this specific work you do with community legal services and real estate? Anything else they need to be thinking about? Well, you brought up the, the entrepreneurship and, and, you know, that's another area that we work in is we've got a unit that just assists individuals that are trying to start small businesses. And so, you know, those things go hand in hand. I think that um, a lot of times the people that we serve don't have just one legal issue. They have multiple legal issues. Sure. And so they, and they become intertwined. I know you were telling me a story earlier today about somebody who had, you know, between police stuff and car accident stuff and everything else, right? Those, a lot of those things become intertwined. Sure. Um, and so... You know, not only do we do the work on the, on the real estate side, but we've got other areas as well. And so if there's any listeners that are, are familiar with the people we serve or have any contact with them, you know, encourage them to reach out for assistance and, and let us start working through the different pieces. You know, Jeff, one of the things I often say is we live in a culture that seems to think I tweet, therefore I am. You know, if I write the perfect tweet, I, I have currency. And I always remind people tweets aren't currency. Currency is currency. And the reason why I say that is that if there are people listening to this and they think, gosh, man, Eatonville is a wonderful community in all its history. I don't live there, but I admire it. I want to help. I want to be part of a solution. And if they, you know, they have means, but they don't have time or we're all limited things, they could just financially support you guys. They could absolutely, right? They could write a absolutely. check. They could support. And if they even said to you, like, hey, I want to make this donation. I really want to go towards helping out the residents of Eatonville in this area. They could do that. Is they that can. correct? They can. They can. We can go to our website and make a donation right there. And there's a there's a place to say, hey, I want this to go towards the Eatonville project, or I want this to go to towards the Ayers property, which is another term that they've used to describe kind of what we're doing project. That is absolutely true. Can lawyers volunteer as well? Because the- lawyers can volunteer, and lawyers should volunteer. You know, there's a role that the legal profession plays in society is kind of like that that buffer between the judicial branch and the people. And so um, I think it's absolutely incumbent upon lawyers to care about their community and spend time doing things that improve that, which includes volunteering. And we're always looking for lawyer volunteers to come help with these types of things. Yeah. What's it? There's that old joke about what do you call a hundred lawyers in a bus on the bottom of a lake? And we don't want to say that joke. What we want to say is, wouldn't it be great if we got a hundred lawyers to volunteer 
and serve on a bus on the way to Eatonville. On the bus on the way to Eatonville. There so you, you go. got there. You Absolutely. got there. But that's the punchline, right? <laughs> um, so thank you so much, Jeff. I'm I'm so grateful for you and your life and your service and all the wonderful things you're doing. And I appreciate you coming back on the show. And I, I hope you're open to come back another day and talk about Absolutely. some more topics. So thank you. Uh, so that's Jeff Harvey, CEO of Community Legal Services. This is John Crossman on the Crossman Conversation. And as always, support your local HBCU. This has been Crossman Conversation, produced by a Crossman Career Builders Mark Radio Production. 